I'm back. So what happened is I use this app called Descript. It automatically transcribes. I let an automate. I have it this automation where anyway, what happened is I was an automation got out of hand, and then I accidentally had the app transcribe the same file like five or six times, and each one was an hour. I have something like thirty hours a month, and then just ran out of time. I could record in something else, but. It's fine. That that's not that only excuses like the past couple weeks, but I think I haven't posted an episode in three or four weeks. I guess that leads into this first idea for about creativity and fitness. That's the I don't know that intersection is the right word for it, but it is the two topics that I want to try to focus on because those are the two things that I'm pursuing right now. It, they fall under the self-development piece, but I think there's just a lot of different content specifically for fitness, and then there's a lot specifically for creativity. I'm interested in both, and it, there's a lot of nice connections between them that I'll be able to hopefully take some principle from creativity, apply it to fitness and talk about that, or take a quote from some kind of fitness influencer or something, and then talk about how that applies. The first link that I'm going to share, and I guess that can be the goal each time, is to just try to share one link. The first link is this podcast episode with Justin Welsh on the Indie Hackers podcast. The theme that I took away was the importance of consistency. He had a corporate job in sales at different startups and then left to do his own thing. I think he was planning to eventually go back to working for a company, but the thing that he did started to take off and he's been able to do that for his full-time job for I think it's coming on four years and in that time has made something like he's approaching like three million dollars he writes guides for growing an audience on LinkedIn he has a few different products that are like 150 dollars around that range and just has built this big audience on LinkedIn one thing that stuck out that he does and he calls it out is he says that he was getting started with writing on LinkedIn he picked up a copywriting book. He doesn't have a long history of being a writer and following like copywriting, though he was doing, that's what it was. I don't think he was a product manager. He was doing sales at these different companies, these different startups, but that doesn't mean necessarily that he was a copywriter. So he picked up a copywriting book and what he says he does different is he read it and then he applied it. So of course, like that's the obvious thing. Actually apply the things that you're reading. I have a ton of copywriting books at this point. What I don't do is actually apply the different frameworks and things, the different formulas, and also just like the practice for doing that. He credits his success to actually applying it. So that's number one. Number two is he talks about the importance of consistency. A lot of people talk about being consistent. It's not like being consistent is something that I didn't believe in in the first place, but hearing it this week, the way that he put it sort of clicked again for me. I'm sure, again, I'm, it's going to fade away and then I'm going to forget about the importance of consistency. But he was saying that with building an audience, he has a bunch of these students who take his different courses. Oftentimes, people will think that they've been doing something for a year, two years, or like you know, a few months. Then they start wondering why their audience isn't growing. Is something wrong with their content? Oftentimes, he'll point out they're just not being consistent. If you take a look at what your regular schedule was, were you being consistent? Are you staying on that schedule that you wanted to be on? Oftentimes the answer is no. This should be the very first thing to check if your lagging indicators of audience 
subscribers, followers isn't growing, take a look at the leading indicator. Are you being consistent? Here's how it relates to fitness. Maybe I should have a drum roll sort of thing here. Here's how it relates to fitness. Consistency is required. I've been very consistent in consistently being a program hopper, which is really the opposite of being consistent because it usually means that after a few weeks, for whatever reason, I get distracted. I start to look at some other program and then decide that's going to be better. Interest wanes. I become inconsistent in one program, hop to another one, start out consistent for whatever reason. Again, this just repeats over and over. In the same way that with content and an audience, the first thing that you should look at is if you were being consistent, that can also be the first thing you look at. If you are not getting results with fitness and nutrition, it's oftentimes pretty easy to see that there's lack of consistency. However, consistency is not the only thing it is a requirement, but it is not the only thing because you can consistently work out, but if you are not working out with enough intensity, if you aren't making sure to have progressive overload in some way, if you aren't tracking things at least at a high level with your nutrition, then you'll never know if you're even making progress in the first place. Okay, link number two. I'm saying link, but this is a book, so I don't know. As source number two. Thing number two, Ray Dalio has a book called Principles. I feel like I used to see this everywhere in different bookstores. But the quote is, new is overvalued relative to great. For example, when choosing which movie to watch or what book to read, are you drawn to proven classics or the newest big thing? In my opinion, it is smarter to choose the great over the new. That's the end of the quote. This reminded me of, okay, here's a link. And this is a David Perel essay. He's an online writer and he teaches writing online. Great course. I've enrolled in it. I can't say that I like fully participated 100% in it, but he does get some great, I guess, like guest lectures or he'll just do interviews. Then they're roughly like private podcasts in a way. He had Logic, the rapper on, and then he also had the cultural tutor. He's who's been like this wild success on Twitter. I think he got to a million followers on Twitter within a year, which I don't know. I guess I guess it's fine. It's fine. I think that's a nice metric of success. But I do remember I had this manager a few years ago. He was telling me about one of his roommates. And then the example that he had was he said, she's so popular. She has 4,000 Facebook friends. I had a coworker and later we like, we're like, is that a weird way to talk about how popular someone was, is how many Facebook friends they have? Anyway, sometimes I worry. That's what I sound like if I talk about how many Twitter followers someone has. But I think it's a pretty wild accomplishment to get a million in a year because a lot of people are doing that. They're writing threads, all these things, and they can get to, you can get to 100K, 200K, but it does seem like it gets much harder to get, continue to add people on after 500K or something like that. But he figured it out. He writes great threads about art and he's doing it again with the consistency thing. He's doing that every single day, new thread every day. Great origin story where I think he started writing his first thread while still working at McDonald's. Now by a pretty good measure is one of the most popular writers on the internet. Oh yeah, but back to <laughs> this David Perel link. He has a great essay pointing out that most of what the world consumes now isn't just new. It was created in the last 24 hours. He talks about this in his essay where the story he tells is he's out with some friends. They hop in an Uber, 
maybe an Uber XL or something. But he's in the back row and, of course, notices that all of his friends pull out their phone. He's about to pull out his phone, but just decides to observe. Of course, everyone hops onto different social media, which means it's made by probably their friends, otherwise other people they follow. But for the most part, all of them are consuming content that was created in the last 24 hours. Sometimes it's even within the last hour. But by Ray Dalio's measurement, it is the extreme of choosing the new over the great. In a way, there is something to admire about like the greatness of social media in the way, not like in the positive sense, just the, uh, I, I think that there are positive aspects of it, but the ability for it, for these different apps to pull so much attention to them, wild stuff. Definitely an interesting thing with nonfiction books is that you can trace the lineage of ideas. I mean, I mentioned copywriting books earlier, and a lot of these frameworks that work for, I mean, connecting it to the cultural tutor where he's writing these different threads. I'm sure if you look through some of them, then they might have a lot of them are images. Maybe his threads aren't a good example, but probably like Justin Welsh's, Welsh's threads are where it's probably like the persuasion formula where you have some kind of hook and then some different points. You bring up an objection that the reader might have and then address it, diffuse it, move on, and then there's a call to action. That is just repackaged in a way for Twitter or actually, and then for LinkedIn and there's nuances between different platforms, but then you can trace this all the way back to like copywriting has this history and direct marketing, which goes back to, this is how you sell an encyclopedia to someone. And then that goes back to David Ogilvy selling, what was it? What did he sell? I think like stoves or ovens before he was you know, the advertising god of Madison Ave. Then it just goes further and further back into how people have always advertised things. Okay, so here's how it relates to fitness. Back to what Ray Dalio says, in my opinion, it is smarter to choose the great over the new. When I mention program hopping, it is often that people will program hop from new program to new program, and it is the shiny object syndrome. A lot of nutrition and fitness plans can be rehashed and repackaged. It's a pretty cyclical industry. Kettlebells come and go. Variations of low-carb diets come and go. I'll probably try these different things in future years as well. But it's good to take a look at all of the different plans over time that have become popular. You can then look at the commonalities between all of them, and those probably align to principles that are the great principles that will apply no matter what year it is. That's where you can select the great over the new. It will probably always be healthy to eat vegetables, to take walks, and to find some way to do resistance training. Here's a quote from Nassim Taleb in Antifragile. He says, the same holds for the statement, lifting weights increases your muscle mass. In the past, they used to say that weightlifting caused the micro-tearing of muscles with subsequent healing and increase in size. Today, some people discuss hormonal signaling or genetic mechanisms. Tomorrow, they will discuss something else. But the effect has held forever and will continue to do so. That's the end of the quote. I think this applies to that idea of great over new. Sometimes the great things will work even if 
the why changes. So the how lifting weights continues to be true. The why it works might change depending on the latest research. All right. Last link, link number three. This will be a book. It's about nutrition. It's called Fat Loss Happens on Monday by Josh Hillis and Dan John. The quote is, it's kind of like why the movie The Karate Kid is so terrible. Don't get me wrong. I love to watch it, but it's the worst lesson in the world. You can win it all if you find the magic move. This is the way that most people treat diets. If I can just find that one magic diet. In reality, it's a lot more like Rocky, a training montage that details months of working on all of the required skills. He runs, he hits the heavy bag, he spars, he does mitt work, he jumps rope, he hits the speed bag, he spars some more. This is all on top of a lifetime of training. That's the end of the quote. Great quote. I want to talk about Karate Kid. I think that there's also a good lesson here that there's plenty of good lessons in it, but the whole wax on, wax off, you practice this thing, then that practice, that technique can be transferred over. That skill that you've been practicing applies to fighting, even though you were waxing a car. I think there's some wisdom in that. Then again, also probably practicing it directly might be might be good too. Here's how it applies to creativity. As I mentioned with the copywriting books, a lot of times people buy these, and I'm saying like royal we, but I do mean me. It is, I'll buy these different books. I think that there's going to be like some magic framework in there that unlocks everything and then I can just reapply it. Then I buy another book hoping to have that trick or another productivity book, hoping that there's going to be something magical in there that's going to give me focus. turns out it's all pretty simple that key to focus is to find a way to not have all the distractions around. Simple, not easy, especially if the work is done on a computer. The reframe is probably to take a look at your work that you're doing on the computer and figure out if you actually need to be on the computer, if you need to be connected to the internet at all times as well. Instead, the creative training montage would be the person sitting down. And I think this is why the cultural tutor interview really was inspiring. It's that it is that montage, that vision of someone that has not had success yet online, has not had success as a writer, even though he was writing like for years, it sounds like he was writing different books and things, hadn't found success. But one day he sits down, decides I'm going to write a thread every single day does that and has become wildly successful, but it is through that work on top of a lifetime also of writing. Here's how it applies to fitness. I guess this kind of already applies to fitness, that there's no one magic diet. I think another thing is that a lot of people look to a morning routine as well, that there's all these jokes about the one hour morning routine where I think I, I used to see the common thing to make fun of is probably like someone mixing their matcha in slow motion. Now it's reached the point where having the cold plunge has jumped the shark, I guess, is everyone has these $5,000 cold plunges and tries to get their cold exposure in the morning. I do it by taking my dog out in the morning in shorts. I don't know if that's really doing the trick, but it's a little bit, you know, and then do the cold shower. But that morning routine doesn't make all problems disappear. It can set, certainly like set you up for the day and make the day better. But there are still other things to work out in the day that if there are problems there, then you need to work those out independently. Maybe the morning routine does help you with it in some general way. But it is not a complete magic pill 
that will lead to eternal happiness, even with this perfect morning routine. Anyway, this seems to have gone on long enough. Thanks for listening. I'll post these show notes since I did try to make it easy for myself as well, but I'll try to make it easy to consume. I'm thinking that I want to turn this into some kind of newsletter so that I'm not trying to do all these different things and starting from scratch each time. But I think I could turn this into a newsletter and then share the three links and any extra links. We'll see how that goes. I'll let you know in a future episode if I have actually done that again. Thank you.